Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about addiction, but more importantly, about recovery. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. You're listening to episode 16 of We Do Recover. I'm your host, Jared Miller. Today, I'm joined in the studio by your co-host and our medical expert, Dr. Terry Sellers. What's up? What's up? What's up? Today in the studio as well, we have, this thing wouldn't even be happening if this man wasn't here. Our producer, Sean Denovan. Oh, this is when I turn on the mic and say hello, right? Yes. I'm not get on camera though. No camera for me. <laughs> we got to get that, we got to get that great voice in there, Sean. Thank you. Wow. Today, your featured guest is the producer of a documentary film known as Happy Valley, none other than Ron Williams. Good morning. This podcast is recorded in sunny St. George, Utah. Episode 16, part one is brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers, where addiction ends and healing begins. Listen, if your loved one needs help, please give them a call. 801-800-8142. Dr. Sellers, how's your week been, man? What's new and good? Well, uh, new and good. We have the Brigham Young University Mighty Cougars tonight versus Boise State. Oh, good game. Which will be their major test of the year. Been arguing with Ute fans all week about <laughs> Ute fans commenting on BYU hasn't played anybody. And I saw a nice little comeback on Facebook of you literally haven't played anybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, we got that tonight. And then we got Ute football tomorrow. So football, college football is new and good for me right now. Ute, I'm Ute, excited. Ute football? Yeah. Tomorrow they play Arizona. Oh, wow. I and thought that the U canceled their season. Well, they tried everything in their power to cancel their season, but they got snatched from the jaws of of complete obscurity to actually play a seven-game season now. And, and the youths are enjoying an undefeated season at this point. So far, they're undefeated. Right. Yeah. I just lost but my But guess what? So are the Cougars. <laughs> and we've actually played games. <laughs> right on. Sean, what's new and good with you? I know that you're totally into the, the Ute. BYU rivalry, right? Oh, I'm not a hockey fan, so it's okay. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Hit a home run, baby. Now, not much new and good here. I, I power washed the driveway yesterday. That was my thing. Nice. <laughs> That's big. It went from like kind of gray to like bright gray. That's it. Yeah. You know, it's a little victories in life, okay? Is that right? Yeah. yeah. The little sure. ones? Okay. Sure, we'll take them. I have fond memories of my dad just sitting in a lawn chair with the hose, and that's how he would water. Because he, it was like relaxing to him. So there's something, yeah. That's cool. Whatever wow. you're, there you go. All right, let's get our, uh, our, our featured guest in here. Ron Williams, what's new and good in your world, buddy? Always something new, always something fun, mostly being a dad, but always staying engaged in fun things. I'm excited to talk about this today, and congratulations for keeping the conversation alive the way you do. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we got Dr. Sellers here, our co-host, so... Go ahead. Should Let's we start right there? Off. First of all, you're a dad. Tell us a little bit yeah. about your family. Well, I have five kids. And, wow. Uh, I started kind of late with the last four. Uh, I was married before and have my daughter, Marin, which the, the movie Happy Valley, as you know, is about pretty much made for her to kind of connect all the dots of addiction yeah. for her yeah. and what happened to her, her mother. And then I had four more children that are 11, 9, 7, and 5. And boy, are they keeping me busy. So coaching <laughs> coaching, and going to school and the dad squad, all the fun stuff. Give them a, give, give them a shout out. What's their names? Uh, Marin. Marin and Gemma. And Can well, Gemma's soul is in sunshine. Canon Dreamer, Truman Love, True Love, 
and then Bright and Star, Bright Star. So wow, fun kids. Yeah. Those are cool names. Yeah, there was some effort. Put My into kids that. are I so like jealous that. right now that I gave them the crappy names I did. Middle names haven't wow. had much meaning in the last couple of decades, so I gave them some purpose. That's, that's fun. That's super fun. Well, good. That's awesome. Are you married? I'm not. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you have been married once. Twice. Twice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Single ladies, Ron Williams yeah. is on the market. Listen, this is a good-looking dude. I got to be honest with you. I'm sitting right next to him. He's a pretty good-looking dude. There's glass of I went in this morning at, at Maverick, and he drives a Porsche too. So I'm sure he does pretty well. So well, I've been blessed. I think we're going to get you some dates, true. Ron. Let's, uh, I don't think he has any trouble on his own. So let's get to it. So let me just tell you a personal story and how we how we can start this off, yes. and then I'm not, we're going to ask you a bunch of questions, obviously, but. Um, so I, uh, everybody on this podcast knows I'm in recovery, right? But early in recovery, I was uh, running a medical spa, doing weird stuff like, uh, you know, different weight loss stuff. And then we were doing lasers and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And I had a patient come in who turned out to be one of your secretaries. And she came to me and said, hey, have you ever seen this movie Happy Valley? And I had not at the time, right? The movie was new, fairly new when I first saw it. Um, in fact, really new because I met you before you did the premiere at Jordan Commons. You, you spoke at the premiere. I did. So I you did. were there at the wow. premiere. Yeah, that was so cool. But, uh, but I watched this movie, and there are two things in my early recovery that really impacted me. And this movie was one of them. The other one was the book, The Four Agreements. And it's possible that I saw them at the exact right time, like the time when I was supposed to see those things or read those things. But they really impacted me quite a bit. So um, I just wanted to bring that little personal bit in, is that movie to me was so good. I really enjoyed it. But let's get to, let's start with... um, Maybe the inspiration behind it. Where'd you? How do you decide one day you're going to make a movie? Well, clearly the subject matter was way over my head, much bigger than me, much bigger than us, and I didn't know what I didn't know. So I was dealing with uh, an, a, a wife who got her tooth worked on because she was lying through that tooth. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm t- I'm t- that was a little bit of fun here. Uh, uh, I like so it. She, she got her tooth worked on, and they prescribed her some Lorotab, some opiates, and she thought, oh, no big deal. And she, in her words... Beautiful person, by the way. Amazing human being, great family, everything. She's talking about Nancy. Yes. Three days into it, she says, man, I'm, I'm addicted. Just, I know I'm an addicted person. She just, there's a propensity from our DNA that allows us that, that feeling that, boom, I think I'm going to be an, an addict. We have that propensity to it. So she became an addict and uh, we had a daughter, a baby at the time, and it just got worse and worse and worse. And I won't go into all the detail because I want to preserve her dignity and all this, but it went from prescription drugs where the pharmacist actually fell in love with her and was given her mason jars Mm. of Loratab. And once that got revealed, obviously he lost his license and got in trouble, but then the natural evolution was to go to street drugs. And so she was buying at night and I didn't know what it was. I just thought she was moody. (laughs) So long story short, uh, she ended up moving out and I ended up raising our daughter alone until one day. I was brushing her hair and you can only imagine what that looked like. But, um, my daughter was just saying, where's my mom, you know, and she's special needs. And so it just weighed heavy. And so I wanted to tell the story because I could never answer that question in 20 sentences or less. I couldn't answer that. So I did the movie. <laughs> now I, as I watched the movie, I've watched it a couple times. 
and after as I watched it the first time, I thought, "Wow, this is really deep. Like, the, it takes some nerve to make this this type of a film." The the last time I watched it, I didn't really catch until the very end just how close to the heart this is to you, because now if I got this right, and if I'm wrong, please correct me. But one of the main people in it is McCall and Amelia, and the tragic story that happened between these two teens. I didn't even realize, Ron, that McCall was a stepdaughter. Yeah. Of yours. Yeah, she was not only a stepdaughter, so she had her own father, but she was my daughter's sister. So there was this bloodline that connected us that, that made it very personal. And whether I liked it or not, it had to be dealt with. And so this was done at a time when culturally, don't even talk about it. Because the discovery was at that point, central Utah, that area was leading the world, not just the nation in prescription drug abuse and somebody, and what's worse addiction or denial. And that's what drove the making of this movie. The answer to that question. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Um, what do you have any idea in your mind? And maybe there's five of these, but do you have a, an overarching principle of this movie? What was the message you're trying to convey to people? that addiction is indiscriminate. Okay. We used to think that it happened to these people on this side of the tracks right. and blah, yeah. broken families, uh, minorities or, you know, poor people know that that's the biggest falsehood behind the subject matter is that addiction is indiscriminate. It crosses all borders and boundaries and it could be your neighbor. It could be your business partner. It could be your ecclesiastical leader in your church. It could be anybody. And that was a discovery. These are not bad people, right? These are good people with a bad habit. Right. Okay, good. That's, um, you, you got a question. Go ahead. I was just going to say that they can lead to, to tragic events. Yeah. The decisions that follow. Yeah. That's when it becomes painful because they become such good storytellers. And now again, I'm talking from the other side of the fence here <laughs> that I fell for all the stories. I was pulling out my wallet and bailing them out and driving them here and doing this and doing that. And little did I know I was getting worked a little bit. I would do it again for sure. sure. It wasn't about me and it wasn't about my wallet. It was just that I had to learn and educate myself on the subject matter. And the biggest thing is this, maybe in the entryway, it's a decision, it's a choice, it's a moral issue. But in the end, it's a disease and people die every day of cancer, heart disease, obesity, all kinds. There's people who are addicted to food, drama, money, all kinds of fun things. We don't want to talk about that. So to me, it's just it's a disease and we just need to understand it that way. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. That's and next sort, week sort we of have, our message. Yeah. Next week, when we have Dr. Matt come on the podcast, we're going to go over the different theories of addiction. So I appreciate you bringing that up. There are some different theories out there. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm addicted to food, guys. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say no. Hey, me too. <laughs> look at the, Don't look in the camera. I'm bigger and fatter than I want to be, but it's all right. <laughs> you look great. <laughs> you guys wore black. You're smarter than me. <laughs> uh, okay. So hence the name Happy Valley, right? I mean, that's where the title comes from is this, uh, you know, the concept is, and you, you brought this out in several different ways, but Happy Valley is this big, um, don't ask people from Penn State what Happy Valley is because they think that's where they thing. are, yeah. but um, but uh, this concept of this kind of homogenous community of, and let's be honest, white, white Mormons, right? And you brought that, like I said, the reason I bring up the race thing is you brought that out in several ways, like you interviewed a family that was of color that just had a hard time fitting in in Happy Valley, period. Now, they, they, they had nothing to do with addiction, but the point was there's this, 
there's these there's all these Mormons in, in Utah Valley and we're not supposed to be doing this like I'm a Mormon so I'll say we but uh, Mormons aren't supposed to be doing this and people in Happy Valley aren't supposed to be doing this and it doesn't look like a problem that we would have I think I worked under the umbrella of fear for that very matter just that people would perceive that I was taking a shot at the church mm. the thing is is that if this would have this addiction could have happened in any city in, in America it just happens that I live there so it's more, in my opinion, it's more courageous, it's more noble, it's more responsible to talk about your own backyard, not somebody else's. How yeah, easy sure. would, how easy that would have been to go into a city by night and leave, right? Great point. But instead, I did it where I lived, and look, I took a lot of persecution from neighbors for a little bit, you know, and then the truth kind of eventually all came out. Even the ecclesiastical, the ecclesiastical leader in my neighborhood, I went to him because he's an emergency room doctor, Dr. Mike Young. Oh, yeah. You might know that name. Oh, yeah. Great guy, yeah. by the way. Amazing guy. Steve Young's brother. Yeah, Traxxas at American Fork. Yeah, he's an yeah. emergency room hospital. And I sat down with him and I said, I've done this research and I'm thinking I'm going to do a movie. Tell me what you think. And his words were, if you do the movie, do me one favor. I said, what? He said, don't sugarcoat it. That's the problem. Yeah. And that gave me permission to be bold and courageous and take risk and be, and take some heat, you know, from some neighbors and friends and people who wanted to live in the denial part, which in my opinion, just held everybody small. The, the, the addiction went rapid under the denial yeah. context. And I don't, it, I didn't take it as a, a bash on any religion or it's a it's a cultural thing right even danny in one part of the film he's he's joking and he's laughing and his very next words are look it's not a it's not a religious or you know a church thing it's a cultural thing it's kind of where we live and the community we live in and so yeah you know people can perceive it the way they want to perceive it but that's the way i took it i so i i didn't i didn't take that that way either at all but it does explain some of the things, right? I mean, I, I think there's a real reason why Utah County and the state of Utah in general leads the country in prescription drug abuse, right? Yeah. We're not number one in heroin. It's not to say we don't have heroin. We have a ton of it. People tend to go towards heroin after prescription drug abuse. But the prescription drug abuse can uh, can fit right in with the community a little bit, right? My doctor prescribed it. Yeah, that became, see, I, I got wise through making it. I was very naive towards the subject, guys, so I don't <laughs> ever want to claim to have all the answers. I just have my own personal observation. But that became the context of this, is that this movie just demonstrates the unique expression of Provo to Salt Lake. That's what it, you know, it's, it's the unique expression. If you went to another city that maybe was on a lower budget, it would have been, you know, the, what's it, the speed, what's it called? Meth. Meth, thank you. Yeah. Different budget, you know, different city, different expression. Right. Our expression to your point, doctor, is that it was, it was prescription drugs and it was this covert thing that was lethally dangerous that will steal your soul if you let it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's beautiful. It will steal your soul. Kind of it, it, it you lose all ability to make decisions. Yeah, I found that people who, you know, it's funny, I did a correlation between just general health, general um, self-worth, you know, and this is, I want to talk about this maybe in sections, second segment here today, the self-worth part, but in the health part, I find that somebody who steps over their health is possibly they're going to find an addiction of some sort. They might. Yeah, in fact. And a person who embraces health might be addicted to health kind of a thing. Yeah, I love that. Actually, Dr. Hugo that was in the film from the University of Utah was talking about how we almost learn it as a 
addiction can sprout from even a young age. And I'm, I realize this may be extreme to some people, but he talks about when you're a kid, let's say you win a softball game, lose a softball game, what do you, you go out and you get ice cream. He didn't talk about that specifically. He refers to M&Ms and high sugar sodas with caffeine in it because you, you have some kind of emotion or you're feeling down or blue. You eat some M&Ms or you drink high, you know, a, a soda pop with some caffeine in it. Instantly, boom, you feel better. In a way, you can kind of see the correlation where from a young age, we kind of learn cause and effect. And it can lead to, if you're not careful, the addiction part. Well, and look at technology in our kids right now. <sighs> Talk oh, yeah. about developing an addictive behavior. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. So the, the, um, there's an explanation for that. And that it's the same explanation as it is for everything else. All, um, all things that we enjoy in life have the final common pathway of releasing dopamine in our midbrain. And the truth is sugar for sure releases way more dopamine in our midbrain than spinach does, right? <laughs> so that's why we, uh, first of all, that's why we can get sort of addicted to sugar and why, I mean, this country's addicted to sugar for sure. As I take a little swig of my high fructose corn syrup, Dr. Pepper, well, I don't, I don't think fanaticism works either though. So I, I'm with you on that. Mm. I mean, it's okay. Once in a while, I think fanatics die every day of self-imposed stress because they're fanatics stressing over that one ingredient. That's why they have bad breath, you know? So basically <laughs> I think living in moderation is important, but disrupt, disrupt the patterns is most importantly. So your brain is never too patterned where it gets hardwired, you know? Yeah. And it's funny. People have been saying for years, just moderation, yeah. right? I mean, it's yeah. okay to, to, have a soda every once in a while. But if you're going through a 12 pack of soda in a day, you might want to take a look at that behavior and, and choose to address it. He's talking to me. <laughs> you're good. You're, you're the doctor. You know what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> listen, let me tell you something I've learned from recovery. I can tell other people what to do. I'm terrible at telling myself what to do. Aren't we all at some yeah. degree though? Yeah. This is the concept to me of in recovery. So I still go to AA meetings and, I still have a sponsor and the concept is I don't make all of my big decisions about me. I always run that by somebody else. Well, I've often thought about being you being a doctor and then having to be humble enough to come clean and say, this is my issue. That takes a lot of humility and that's a great form of leadership. So love that. Thanks. I'm not sure that that's, uh, that's maybe too kind. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't have any other choice. Well, <laughs> I really didn't. I mean, I was either going to stay down or get back up and, to me, staying down wasn't much of an option. Yeah, but, you, you look yeah. great and look healthy. Thanks. Um, you got something? Because I got something that's way off topic. Yeah, just real quick. I, I want to point out one thing that, because I've asked people, hey, have you seen the show Happy Valley? And I get a common response, and then I follow up the question. They say, yeah, man, it's a guy following a bunch of addicts around. And I say, did you watch it till the end, though? Did you watch it till the end? And I think it's, you did a, first of all, it's barely touched on. But you actually, once you kind of stumbled on this and realized it's such a problem, you put up billboards to, to get people help, right? To send people to rehabs. And those people that you documented, you also helped get them into a detox and, right? I mean, so yeah. it wasn't, if I'm only watching it halfway through, I might get the wrong context if I don't watch it all the way through. Well, we found that the market was so uneducated and so in denial that we had to set the movie up by telling stories, real life stories of different demographics, you know, and that's what we did in the beginning of the movie. But we, it started by us putting billboards up along I-15, which this was abrasive. I mean, this was abrasive. <laughs> it said addicted question mark in big giant letters. We sponsor recovery confidential call this number. 
and we thought we're going to get thousands of calls. And what <laughs> happened was we got like 12 calls, people using alias names. Oh, yeah, this is uh, Ricardo, you know. Huh? And that's what happened. So that's, that's when we really saw the underbelly of this problem. And so the movie produced, it did well. It won a couple big film festivals and went through the movie theaters. It got some great sponsorships. It, the, the state got behind it. You know, eventually it was really kind of cool. You know, I, I got to speak to all law enforcement, everyone, you know. So it was really a lot of fun. But that's, uh, that's how it started was the billboard. And, and um, it's very interesting. You feel like it was ahead of its time? Sorry. Oh, yes, on. totally. No, I think that was a great question because. Totally. Drive, drive down I-15 now. Yeah, it's one rehab center after you, another. You <laughs> probably opened that door, frankly, because it was. So I grew up in an era in medicine where advertisement was completely taboo. Like that just was not done at all. And now if you look at there, there's, a, there's 20 rehab. Happy Valley gave entrepreneurs permission to not only open rehabs, but advertise them on I-15. And so it's become quite a lucrative conversation. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. This, uh, half of this movie. So this is, if you watch movies, half of the thing is really the soundtrack. Like the thing that evokes emotion is the soundtrack, right? Um, I, yeah. Which, which isn't the only thing that evokes emotion, but that, that pulls the emotion out. Tell me, about how you got to the soundtrack and that soundtrack was great oh thank you my background actually when i was at this age of college is music i was a recording artist i write and produce music and so i think i ran out of gas when i saw the business of music i'm thinking oh that's just yeah. risky <laughs> you know i don't want to be singing on a cruise ship wearing outdated clothes <laughs> singing outdated clothes, to put food on the table that's just it's like a it's like a beautiful artist who ends up at a carnival going right, oh. yeah, you know right. it's it's just no so i got out of music but i said i will always do it as a passion like an art and so Happy Valley was a platform for me to collaborate with some of my talented friends and do a beautiful soundtrack that would illuminate the emotion of this whole message. Yeah, that soundtrack was so good. <laughs> Holy mackerel, I loved it. Like, I still listen to the soundtrack sometimes. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing was put together really well. I loved the recordings of the voicemails. I mean, it, it just, I, th I thought that it was, it was awesome. Great quality. Well, as I know we're heading into a break, but one of the highlights of the movie for me, and I, I share this because it's very touching, I was on a plane... And I just received an email from a gal. Her last name was Childs. I don't remember her first name. She was from Springville. And she wrote me this long letter saying, I confess to my family that I've been a closet addict. I'm LDS. I have uh, three children. I have a beautiful husband and blah, 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 blah. And I let them know. And they just, after seeing your movie, I let them know. And they all just came down on me and judged me and made it hell. Sure. So I remember writing her back saying, hey, stay strong, blah, 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 blah. So all of a sudden I get on an airplane about five days later. And I'm with my daughter, Marin, and I pull up the newspaper and I got a habit of looking in the obituaries to see how many mm. overdoses were having lung failure, <laughs> right? Died peacefully in their sleep. Right, right. So <laughs> at 28 years of right. age. So, um, so I look it up and there she is. And I'm like, oh my gosh, she died. <sighs> and I looked at my daughter, Marin. I said, Marin, we're going to this funeral because the funeral was like in four days and we we're going to be gone for two. So we come back, we go to the funeral and we're walking around. It's packed. And everybody has these long faces like uh, doom and gloom and darkness. And that was so disempowering because of my knowledge that this is a disease. So as I'm walking out, the family was standing there, like about 12 of them. They're all standing together. And they said, that's the guy that made that movie. You know, so they, so I said, man, I'm going to, I'm going to swallow this fear that I have. And I'm going to step up and say something to them. Good. So I walked up, my daughter was with me and I said, folks, I spoke to your daughter. She emailed me. She talked to me. Let me tell you something. 
Addiction is a disease, and people die every day of diseases, heart disease, cancers, all kinds of things. Your daughter died of a disease. So please, no more long faces. Love, kindness, forgiveness, understanding, and let go. And their countenance, I, I swear to you, just went, hadn't thought of that. I mean, it was all about darkness and doom and gloom and fire and brimstone. That's kind of how they looked at it's it. It's a paradigm so shift. It was a beautiful, when I got in my car, I had goosebumps and little tears in my eyes because... I don't even know that it was my right to say that to them, but I felt compelled to say that to him and it was beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome. amazing. Well, thank you guys for, yeah. Thank you guys for listening to episode 16, part one. We're going to take a break coming up here in a minute and we're going to come back to, to Ron Williams and, and his story in producing the film, happy Valley. If you want to support this, go to our Facebook page, give us a five star review, like it, share it, subscribe, all that fun stuff. We'll be back in a minute. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery, and once you become the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. Welcome back from that little 30-second break. This is episode 16, part two of We Do Recover. Today we're featuring the producer of, of a documentary film that was award-winning, award-winning Happy Valley. None other than Ron Williams is here with us today. Episode 16, part two, is brought to you by St. George Hilton Garden Inn. It's always sunny and bright at the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. If you're traveling through southern Utah, go ahead, give them a Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden Inn, St. George, Utah. You won't regret it. They have amazing amenities. Dr. Sellers, you have time for a, a, a medical question? No, I got a place to go. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, <guy>. sure. <laughs> I do. All right. Of course I do. I love medical questions. Kay, I so make up the answers really, really well. So this actually comes from the the film, uh, okay. Happy Valley. So I'm watching it and you don't hear, like you hear all the time of people dying from alcohol and benzos and opiates. Rarely do you hear of somebody dying from cocaine or methamphetamines. But actually there was a, a family there that talked about losing their son Colton. And Colton died of an overdose of cocaine. And the family tells a story about he, they came home he had gone and done his thing. They found him upstairs in the bathroom. He'd been taking a hot bath and, and he was white and he was no, he was deceased. He's no longer with us. How does that happen? Is that a thing? Well, of course it's a thing, right? Okay. Cause that guy's dead, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, it does happen. That's interesting because while well, I did a research project in uh, medical school about what we were doing is trying to induce heart attacks in mice and rats, huh. uh, using cocaine. And that's probably the number one mechanism where people can die from cocaine is, is heart attack. In fact, there's a very interesting phenomenon that happens with, uh, 
your body is so amazing that it just does all these things that we just don't have any idea what they're about. But let's assume you, uh, let's assume someone, I don't want to say you because I don't want to <laughs> say anybody particularly, but let's assume someone is a cocaine addict, but they always use cocaine in the same location. So there's a house they go to to use cocaine, whether it's their house or some other place or in their closet or whatever it is, right? If they always do the cocaine there, then the then the reaction is very similar. But if they somehow one day use cocaine in a different location, they're more likely to have a heart attack. And that's because their body their body knows when they get to their normal location, okay, so the closet or the house or whatever it is, their body already anticipates they're getting cocaine and slows the heart down automatically. Wow. And if they surprise their body by doing it in a different location, that that sort of defense mechanism, that little protection doesn't happen, and they're more likely to die of a heart attack. Wow. But, yeah, I didn't um, know that. Yeah, that's a really weird and interesting phenomenon, isn't it? But. You see where we have a doctor on the podcast? I love that. I made it up. Does it work the same with fast food? (laughs) (laughs) Cholesterol intake's about to go up. I'm at McDonald's. My body's getting ready. Yeah, great question. But that's, it's a weird phenomenon, right? But yeah, that's a major mechanism where people die of cocaine is a heart attack. It just speeds the heart up. So he most likely died from some type of heart failure. Massive heart attack, yeah. Got you, got you. All right. Yeah. Is Ron ready for us? I think he's. I think he was born ready for us. We're, <laughs> we're so much behind Ron and vice versa, guys. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, okay, so let's uh, move. Let's move in this direction. Um, a lot of times we break this segment up where people are actually telling sort of their life story, right? And we we have them start with before they got sober and clean the first segment. And then after, but today we're talking about a movie and I want to get to this before we get to the end. Cause I run up against deadlines cause I'm so long winded. Um, how do people get a hold of a copy of this movie? First of all, let's do that before we get right to the end. Well, I have a bunch. So if we want to use them as some form of a fundraising mechanism, I have some, so we can do wow. something like that. That's um, awesome of you. I won't tell you that it got put somewhere online, but it has over 120,000 views. It's a 90-minute movie, you know? So this oh. is a movie that was probably ahead of its time, but how can you ever say that when lives are being taken, right? Yeah. So ahead of your time sounds funny. The, the trend is if one person dies, we need this message out there kind of right. a thing. Right. Okay. I may have already goofed up. I'm pretty sure when I was shooting the promo for it with your picture, I included the link to the YouTube video. But that's a great idea to what? use the, some some of the you know the tapes as a fundraiser. Let's it's brainstorm on that. This was never a business venture. This was truly a labor of love and purpose. Um, I funded the movie myself, actually, and gave not some of the proceeds. I gave all of the proceeds to the list of people who who signed up to go get help. You know, that's amazing. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. All right. So let's transition to that second segment like we do then. Uh, we got why you did the movie, what led up to that, that sort of stuff. Let's talk about you make a movie. Now tell me about what happens to your life. What have you learned from this movie? What has become of your life just in relation to this movie? That sort of stuff. Well, it, it really sent me on a trail of understanding just human life and what is behind human life. And I'm, this is where I'm very passionate and very inquisitive and very creative, perhaps. What I learned was this. 
when you talk about self-worth, people ask what self-worth is, what self-esteem is, you know, there's all kinds of mixed answers on that. And if you look at a child, when a child is born into the world, they're born with self-worth. They dream about love and family and community and and, and they're spiritual by nature, and they're unassuming, they're loving, they're resilient, they're forgiving. There's all these things that they instantly do. It's not till we get older that maybe, you know, and, and their self-worth is just right there. They're right there. They never even doubt. And then what happens is, you know, when our self-worth is challenged is when we have that first friendship at 13 or 12, it misfires. And all of a sudden we find that we're separating a little bit from our dreams, you know, those things that we all believed in as children. And then that first love, you know, that crush when you're 15 or 16, all of a sudden it, you know, breaks your heart. And then all of a sudden you do that first job and it's a misfire. You wake up one day and you're like, what just happened? I am now separated from my purpose and dreams. They don't know it, by the way, subconsciously. They have no idea. They're just like, man, what happened? I was so happy as a kid. I was so certain as a kid. And now I'm, I'm developing frown lines because I'm faking it until I make it. And then they think something is wrong with them. So now they're suffering from dream separation is what I call it. Now, my dreams are not Easter bunnies and, and, and tooth fairies. My dreams are love and family. My dreams are, are your physical look and feel, how you feel. My dreams are your career and your money. My dreams are your community, how you interact with the community. Stop judging the community and get out there and do something. And then finally, your spirituality, the intangible, something that's large and in charge so you're out of the way. So... Um, so what happens is you find yourself in maybe your late teens or your early twenties suffering from dream separation. Then what? Well, during dream separation is when we settle for lesser relationships. We settle for lesser money. We settle for lesser diets. We think something is wrong and we might find an addiction to mute the pain that comes from dream separation that we're completely naive to. We have no idea we're suffering from it. So what happens? This person who's separated like this, they're like, I need motivation. So they're looking for a motivational course. No, no, don't get me wrong. I don't think motivation is a bad word. I think motivation is for the uninspired. Because when you are inspired, you can't be stopped. You watch a sports game. You listen to the color commentator who says, ooh, Michael Jordan is playing inspired right now. In that context, it means can't be stopped. So think of times in our lives, if you're listening here today, think of times when you were inspired. I can think of mine. Okay. They're little, here's my lifeline. There's little spikes of inspiration. That one's first spike I can think of is when I had a crush on a girl named Linda. I was oh, 15. Linda. Could not. I mean, she's still my friend on Facebook and I let everybody know that this is Linda because I've talked about this so many times and I had a crush on Linda. I remember one day bringing her flowers and walking three miles happily just every step oh, yeah. was juiced, oh, baby, yeah. all the way there and all the way back. I, nothing was going to stop me because I was inspired in that spike. Then the first time I bought a car, a 1968 Mustang. Mm. I'll never forget. I worked not one, not two, but three jobs, employee of the month, all three times. I was a lazy teenager, but you know what? I was inspired. Couldn't yeah. be stopped. Bought the car, no problem. Then the first time we all buy a house, maybe all of a sudden we sign what 40 pages and initial them. And then we sign 40 more and you're like, I don't care. I'm going to get this house. Nothing's going to stop us. The problem is these are little spikes. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is people who are separated from their dreams are looking for motivation. And after a while, it's like whipping a dead horse looking for motivation because you go on a Friday, you spend $900, you go that weekend, you feel all amazing. You come back, you lost your voice, you lost your money, but you're back to the same result. And so inspiration supersedes motivation. Motivation in my mind is for the uninspired. So 
There's a lot of people who think there's something wrong with them. There's a lot of people who think that person has a high self-worth because they were raised with a silver spoon or they were raised this and they were, they were just born with self-worth. No, they're born aware to be aligned with their truth and their purpose. So if you want self-worth, if you want to overcome the, the dream separation downfalls, Realign with your purpose and your visions and your and your dreams of love and family and intimacy. Uh, we have we have you engaged right now. That's got to feel so great, so alive, so inspiring. Can't be stopped. Okay, realign with your physical health and being. Man, I loved it when I could fit into those, and I felt so amazing. And we we're so weird. We'll think, well, I felt so amazing in the 1990s. Uh, was I sleeping on a feather pillow or a cotton pillow? I mean, we start <laughs> analyzing yeah. the standard of what health is. What what was I doing that made me feel so healthy? Was I living in the desert or the mountains? What was I breathing? Truth of the matter is, most of the time. We were just touching center point to our dreams and our purposes of love and family and physical and, and financial. We were making a little money. We kind of liked our job, maybe. Uh, we were involved in the community more, so we felt worthy. We felt needed. We felt like we were contributing. And then spiritually, the intangible thing, something large and in charge where the soul is in charge and the body is small, not the opposite. So that my friends, in my opinion, is coming back center point to your truth and purpose. And the only successful you is the authentic you. The only sustainable you is the authentic you. So um, don't try and be something or someone else. They're taken. Be you 100%. And that in itself is life-giving. That in itself is, 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 is self-worth and self-esteem. And that in itself is inspiration. And that person can't be stopped. That's the person people want to marry, <laughs> make babies with, and go into business with. And the party doesn't start until that person shows up. So how do I equate that to addiction? I think a lot of people suffer from dream separation and they find something to mute their souls, thinking there's something deficient with them and there's nothing wrong with you. I uh, love that, Ron. Just real quick, I, I want to loop this in. Uh, speaking of loops, I just want to put that on loop and redo it again for the rest of the podcast. See, we, we do have things in common, sellers. Wow. That's exactly that was great. When you are coming out of addiction, a lot of times you look back and you lose your identity. You forget who you were and what you're talking about right there. It, listen, if you're in early recovery, replay that and replay it and replay it until you set the machine on fire because you're talking to our audience of people about basically finding out who they really are. People that are coming out of addiction, they need that. They need that. I really appreciate you sharing that. They think they lost their core of who they are when it's always there. It's always been there. They just simply unknowingly separated from those dreams and they suffer from dream separation and they settle for less and they think something's wrong with them, that they are deficient, that they are defective and they're not. So three things came to my mind when you were talking. The first is Mahatma Gandhi. True happiness is when what you think, what you say, and what you do are in total alignment. Love right? it. That's exactly, basically a part of what you said. The second thing is we've had a recurring theme on here. Lots of people come on and have gotten into recovery and are talking about, I, I didn't feel like I fit in. And wanted to be accepted. Suddenly I found something, whether that's drugs or alcohol, that made me feel like I fit in. And so those are people that describe themselves as broken. Yeah. yeah. That's, they're, they're not broken. Yeah. So I've been writing a book on this because I think this conversation 
applies to our professional careers. It, it applies to our relationships and our families. It applies to addiction. It applies to health. It applies to everything because energy doesn't lie. And if you're suffering from dream separation, you can't just fake it till you make it. Don't prove to the world what a great survivor you are. It's time to realign with your purpose and your passion and your truth because we are 99% identical. We belong together. It doesn't matter our color. We're joined by a brother and sisterhood that supersedes all societal limitations, all media divide. We belong together. The problem with the 99% is too many people spend their lifetime trying to blend and say, see, I fit in. I'm normal. Yeah. Well, that's not living. When you blend, you're, you're, you're <laughs> right. invisible. You're invisible. You're not a mirror. You're not right. a mirror. You're not a teacher. And you deny the world you. So be careful acknowledging the 99% that we belong together. It's the 1% that I'm talking about. Yeah. That's where I'm going. It's the one that says there never has been or never will be someone as beautiful and as unique as you. We just forgot. Well, that's all. Yeah. Finish that book, please. Holy yeah. mackerel. And, and, and it's, it's the beautiful you. It's the talented you. It's the nerdy you. It's the awkward you. It's the, it's, it's the things about you that scare the crap about you is what we're trying to embrace here and teach that that's the you we're all calling out right now. Yeah. The, the 99, you're basically, if I can use this as a reference, snowflakes. Snowflakes, it's all snow, right? You look out the side, outside, you see snow coming down. You, it's snowing. Good point. But if you go and you take a black sheet of paper and you catch those snowflakes... No two snowflakes are ever the exact same. And that's the 1% you're talking about. I love it. Beautiful. And it's, it's a part that scares the crap out of us. So don't try and blend. Don't try and be something you're not. The only, the one that's going to move and shake and lead is the one that's only you. And that's the part that really moves and inspires me. That's where my life and my quest is right now is un uncovering that. Yeah. So the, the third thing that came to my mind is all the time we compare our insides to someone else's outsides, which is never a fair comparison. First of all, we're comparing, we, we're trying to blend in because we're looking at all these other people, right? And look, that guy looks awesome. Look how great he is at the party. Well, you don't know anything about that guy's insides, right? You don't know anything about his insides. <laughs> exactly. I don't feel great at a party, but to that guy, you actually might look great at a party, right. right? We don't know how we look on the, we don't know how we are perceived by others. We have these great tales. We tell ourselves about how we're perceived, perceived by others, but we're comparing our insides to someone else's outsides, and that's never a fair comparison. Well, and, and comparison's bad anyway. You're right. And every time I had the privilege to interview addicts, they would always talk about how happy they were as kids, how playful and how clear and how good natured they were. Well, you still are. Yeah. You just separated from that. Yeah. And so if you're a parent listening to this, Pay attention to your children when they're doing something they love and that maybe God blessed them with these talents to, to God gives us talents. We make them skills. Give your children every privilege, every opportunity to live center point to their talents and their skills and let them develop them because you'll notice your kids are going to come alive when they're inside just the same way as parents do. Kids can shift on a dime because they can. It's us parents that are thick-headed and say, I'm going to think about it for a week. Well, <laughs> good luck with that, right? It right. just doesn't work. Kids can on a, My little boy will come home, and he'll be throwing himself against the fridge. He's tired. He needs a nap. And he's, uh, and I'll say, Truman, stop. Let's go get a yogurt. Yeah. Oh, Dad, I love you so much, man. I'm going to take the trash out on the way to the car, Dad. <laughs> Seriously, like yeah, that. Yeah. What happened to us? Right, right. Uh, I'm in a pissy mood right now. Oh, go, well, good luck with that. We got know? good at being stuck. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we can be more like kids because I get my energy and my, my being through the innocence and purity of children. I get my wisdom through the lack of with adults. Yeah, so 
Yeah. If my son comes home, this doesn't happen because we're not this kind of family, but my son comes home and says, hey, Dad, let's go fishing. What goes through my head? The 17 things that I have to do besides the fishing. <laughs> the right. kid's not thinking about that. He wants to go fishing. He wants to be in his passion. He yeah. wants to be with Dad. He wants yeah. to be in nature. I, we don't know really what he wants, but we know he wants it. So allow our kids, allow ourselves, and be an example to our kids to be inter- in center point. I have old couples who come to me after my Sometimes when I travel and they say, we used to uh, dance and, you know, we used to sing and we, and I'm sitting there thinking, this sounds like a eulogy. What's next? Death? (laughs) Used to. Yeah. There's something about living in our passions. If you love to karaoke, go sing your guts out. If you love to play sports, go play your heart out. Whatever it is, do it. Yeah. Yeah. We get old and we can't do it anymore. (laughs) Right? I don't know about that. that, No, true. No, I don't mean we can't. I really mean in our brains, we can't. Well, we struggle. Like I love to play sports. I was an athlete my whole life, and man, I've had to hang up my cleats and then convert all that to my kids now. Oh, no question. And I don't, I, I don't play basketball like I used to either. But I don't not enjoy it. Right. Well, I exactly. sure love it the right. same. Hey, you played great during that sand volleyball. No, oh, I was couple so of bad. Ago. I was so bad. I was so <laughs> we, bad. We went and played some sand volleyball, and it, yeah, I was impressed. Sellers can he can still get after it, boy. No, no. So, my, my so guys, I'm curious just to hear what your vision is for what you're doing because I just love what you're doing, and it brings me great joy to circle back to the conversation around Happy Valley and what you're doing. But you've taken it to new levels that I never could have. But just curious, what you guys are up to there. Jared needs to answer that question because Jared's so on fire. It's unbelievable. He is. He's very inspirational, by the way. You know, the podcast really, it's a message of hope. I look back, and this is funny because I, I've i have actually met with a group of people that, that don't share the same perspective that I share, and they literally have said to me, it's great that you were able to overcome that, but that's your past. Just put it in the past, right? And, and these are business owners, investors, right, people that I'm trying to develop product lines through and they say you're very vocal about it and that worries us and, and I first of all that identified with me right like maybe this, this isn't the group of people that I need to be doing business with second of all I really from my core I think back I think back to the Jared that had just been homeless the, the Jared that had been locked up for six months the Jared that had tried committing suicide and I remember early in my recovery I would go to NA groups and I'd go and a lot of times the people had done that. The people that had long-term recovery, had they did that, right? And and there wasn't much hope there. So I just kept my head down, worked my tail off. And then one day I met this guy named Terry Sellers. And I'm serious. And he told me, he said, look, and I shared because I knew he, he, right? I could identify with him. And he said, man, you got a great story. You need to share it. And that was probably what, Terry, two years ago? Mm-hmm. So that. he can say I'm on fire, but he's the one that, that, was the igniter fluid there. Well, what a cool duo you make because you have the doctor with the knowledge and the compassion. And then we have you who's come up with the way you are full of inspiration. And I think that kind of energy doesn't lie. And I think it's beautiful that you're not leaving these people behind, that you're still bridging the conversation for people to come with you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah so the, that's my vision the, for The it. duo, I, I hang on to the energy for sure. Yeah. I mean, this you is, see why. I hang on to the energy because I, I, honestly don't really have quite that energy. Um, I'm passionate about some things. I'm passionate about the fact that this is the same thing, same reason you made the movie. People with addiction issues have always been looked at as people who, you know, the guy that lives under the bridge and, 
and pushes a shopping cart. And that's not what addiction is at all. It has nothing to do with that. And so part of my passion is, look, you can be anything in life and have addiction come and bite you in the ass. And, <laughs> but you can also get over that. Right. I, I stand here today. We spend a lot of time worrying about stigma in the treatment industry and the way we're attacking stigma is changing language. For example, it's not addiction anymore. It's not addicts anymore. It's, it became substance abuse instead of addiction. And then it became substance abusers. And now you can't even, it's people with substance abuse problems instead of, uh, and that stuff's all well and good. And there is some studies behind that. I don't think that's how I end stigma. I end stigma by standing up and saying, look, I was there also, and you don't have to stay stuck there. Yeah, it makes you rare. And then you can be anything you want to be if you put that stuff in the past. Love it. Well, for the listeners, I want to point out, look, America is one of two countries that allows drug commercials. Uh, Of the the opiates sold around the world, we're 4.8% of the world's population, but we consume nearly 90% of the world's opiate supply. So there are other ways to deal with pain. There's other ways to deal with happiness. Keep moving. Make sure the bacteria in the stomach is nice and healthy because that has a lot to do with happiness as well. There's a lot of things out there that will make us happy. But don't fall into the statistic. Be be eyes wide open in this one. Yeah, beautiful. I love that. And you know what? I just want to point out a lot of times we come on and we we interview or we get the stories of other people. It's very rare to have a guest come on and ask us about us. So I, I can appreciate point. that. Thanks. You're a very unselfish person. No, Thanks. I just love what you're doing. And this what you're doing needs to be conti- consistently illuminated, not what I'm doing. I did something and we're talking about it, but I haven't lost my passion for the conversation. I appreciate what you guys are doing. And you did something great. Thanks for that. Happy Valley's the movie. Everybody go out and take a peek because and, and look at it for exactly what it was made for. This is Utah Valley, right? <laughs> uh, please watch it. It was a beautiful movie. Absolutely. You know what, Ron, I'm going to let you take us out in our last 30 seconds. Last message. It's our last message of hope for our listeners. Well, I'd say when you're watching those drug commercials, be careful when they pull out the puppies because that's when they (laughs) give all the side effects. (laughs) That's my closing thought. No, actually, it's really a lot to do with self-love. No one's going to love you until you love yourself. You're not broken. Just go back to your purpose. Go back to figuring out who you truly are and don't even apologize for a second because that, my friends, is life giving in itself. Beautiful. Ron Thank Williams, you, Ron Happy Williams. Valley. Thank, Thank you very you much. So much. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from a podcast studio.